As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Bill Taylor Enterprises. BTE is a manufacturing, design, and support company that specializes in high-performance automatic transmission assemblies and components for drag racing, off-road, marine, and street performance. Stay tuned later in the show to find out more about BTE's Black Friday 20% off sale. In addition, today's podcast is presented by Portatree. Portatree is a leading manufacturer of practice trees, simulators, and test tracks with quality products designed for racers by racers. Luke and I depend on Portatree for our own practice. Check them out at www.portatree.com. Use discount code DRAG10. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in Sportsman Drag Racing and the stars within it. Jed, for the first time in what feels like two months, I don't think we have an hour and a half worth of content. <laughs> I ain't mad about it, Luke. We might have a listener upset, a listener or two upset, but this week's going to be more about quality than quantity. Not a lot of racing going on over the course of the last week. A couple of races that were scheduled got uh, rained out, colded out, what have you. But we will wrap up the 2018 NHRA season following the NHRA World Finals, crown the last of the world champions, crown all of the Summit ET Series champions. We'll talk about that. We will talk about where you were at, Big Jed, the uh, footbreak race down in Holt, Florida at Emerald Coast Dragway. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. Got a hashtag racing answers segment coming at you, plus all of our normal fun stuff. BTE, who's hot, what everybody's talking about, 
a little bit of what's on tap. And of course, we'll close out the show with shout outs for days. But Big Jed, let's get started with what everyone's talking about. This week on What Everyone is Talking About. All right, Luke. Um, it is what everyone is talking about because it is quite the milestone. But my boy Rambo, my Alabama man, got NHRA National Event Victory number 100. You asked me, would he get 100 uh, several episodes ago? You asked me, would he get 100 this year? I said, of course he will. He's Rambo. It took him to the last opportunity of the year, but he got number 100 at Pomona in Comp Eliminator. Really cool story there for Rambo getting his name on the list of racers that have won 100 and uh, really excited for him. Just a, just a great, great milestone for him and, and his crew chief, Barry Davis. Yeah, just incredible, um, I guess, cherry on the top to what has been one of the most legendary if not the most legendary career within sportsman drag racing. Rambo has been on the show with us uh, in the past. Probably uh, we made such a big deal out of Fletcher's hitting 100. I feel bad that we don't have David on the show today, but it was just a few months ago we had him on here. Probably have him on again at some point. And you know what he's going to say? Well, you know, <laughs> it's the right place at the right time. You know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's very, very humble. I, I want to, the choreograph comes to mind, but that's not fair to Rambo because I think it's very genuine. He just is, is extremely humble by nature. 100 national event wins, Big Jed. And, and the, I say this puts the cherry on top of his career. Uh, I don't get the impression that he's done. I, I don't get the impression that he's even considering being done. No, you know, obviously runs Superstock and Comp Eliminator. Luke and I mean, either or either category, Rambo's a threat to win every time he shows up. This is how the man makes his living, has done extremely well at it. I don't see that changing for 2019, especially uh, ending his season on such a high note, getting 100 at the final event with the victory. I see Rambo coming out in 2019 just as fresh and ready as ever. So look for that number 100 to to grow as the season starts in February. I think the most impressive note that I've seen from all of this uh, talking about David Rampey, there was a tweet from NHRA saying uh, Rampey joins one of, if not the most exclusive club in NHRA drag racing. Did you know, Big Jed, that David Rampey is only the fourth driver, not like sportsman driver, the fourth driver, period, in NHRA history to reach the century mark? Wow, I did not know that. That blew me away as well. And I'll, I, I got a little trivia time for you, Big Jed. I did a little David Rampey research, and I didn't put it in the show notes because I'm going to see how... Uh, how quick you are on your feet, how, how much you know about your fellow Alabamian. Rampy became the fourth driver to win 100 NHRA national events. Can you name the other three? Well, obviously, Dan Fletcher is one. So you said this is pros included. Correct. So obviously, another one would be John Force. Good, good. You're one away. And I would think... The next one would be Manzo. Ooh, you nailed it. All right, I'm not giving you enough credit there, Big oh, Jim. Very nice oh, work. Very nice work. Um, what I'm talking about. 
when I saw that, I thought, wow, that's really impressive to join that company. And then when I thought about it a little bit further, what's equally impressive are the names not on that list. Like Don Garlitz hadn't won 100 races. He even close. Joe Amato, not win 100. The, the racers that are close that will probably, you, you would assume, might eventually reach that 100 mark. Greg Anderson currently sits at 91. David Rampey's won more national events than Greg Anderson. Tony Schumacher, 84. David Rampey's won 16 more national events than Tony Schumacher. Jake Coughlin Jr., 80. Now, 80 is an, uh, an amazing career. Oh, yeah. David Rampey's won 20 more national events than Jake Coughlin Jr. And just to put it all in perspective, I know that I'm not telling our listeners anything that they don't know, but I don't know. David Rampey, maybe one, two, three of those 100 wins were four-round races for the most part. He's beaten at least five in Comp Eliminator. And in the other classes, six, seven rounds, uh, nobody else on that list had to do that except Fletcher. Yeah, and and definitely outside of Fletcher, those other guys were just outrunning people, which just totally discard as as not as a lack of talent or anything else. But outrunning them is certainly less difficult than outdriving them. And Rambo has had to outdrive everybody that he's beaten. So that's um, that's a really cool list. I, actually, would have thought you was going to say Warren Johnson somewhere in there. I don't know how many Warren WJ's got or. How many Bill Glidden had, but I mean Bob Glidden, excuse me. Yeah, that's another one I was thinking was Glidden, right? Yeah. I didn't see the whole breakdown. Um, I was actually skimming off of uh, our friend Kevin McKenna's sports report, and he was talking about the active racers that were closing in on 100. So I'm not really sure where the rest of the list falls, to be completely honest. Let me get back to my trivia. I'm supposed to be grilling you here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, How many classes has David Rampey won in at the NHRA level? Oh, hold on, hold on. Let me let me get. The, I'll make it easier on you. David Rampey has won NHRA national events in five different categories. Can you name them? Well, it would be obviously super stock and comp. We know that. I believe David was quite the super gas racer at one time. Mm-hmm. He won in stock. Mm-hmm. There's four. Uh, and I would say the fifth. You know, I I guess I feel like he might have won a pro stock race, but I'm not 100% sure, so I'm just going to go super comp. Very nice, Big Jed. Runner-up in pro stock, I believe, is the closest he ever got. Mm. Uh, has a handful, I think, uh, wins in super comp, including one of his five national championships in the 890 category. I believe that was 1994, but I don't have that in front of me. Uh, one of our listeners can double-check on that. How about, of those 100 national event wins to date, how many has David Rampey won in competition eliminator? Oh, oh goodness. That is going to be the majority of, well, or the the most, obviously, out of that list. I'm going to say David Rampey has won 45 in Comp Eliminator. I don't know that I'd have gone that low, but I would have never gone high enough to be correct. 81 of his 100 national event wins in Competition Eliminator. I just would have assumed that more than 19 would have come from the other classes, I think. Wow, yeah, likewise. Okay, last David Rampey trivia, and we'll move on. 100 national event wins to date. We talked about how close he got to earning 100 at Dallas, where he was runner-up in both classes, and it had to had to put that monumental achievement off for, what, three or four weeks. 100 wins, Big Jed. 
how many national event runner-ups for Mr. Rampy? Oh, that's a good one too, Luke. David wins the majority of his finals is my gut feeling. So I'm going to say he has runnered up 37 times. Similar to the other one, I probably would have gone a little bit higher than you went, but I would have never gone high enough. 60 runner-ups. So wow. 160 national event final rounds, David Rampey. Wow. <laughs> I mean, every one of those numbers is just jaw-dropping. Yeah. Impressive. Well, I was good for a while, but I, I bombed on those last couple. Well, honestly, Jed, and I, I think you could take this as a compliment. You did better <laughs> than I thought you would. <laughs> I, I guess I could take that as a compliment. Our listeners know I'm not very smart, so they probably thought this was set up until you stumped me there at the end. So it was definitely not set up. This was uh, unrehearsed. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll vouch for you there. I completely blindsided <laughs> you with this. I didn't even put David Rampy trivia in the show notes until we started recording. Like I didn't want to give you any chance to research this, so I yeah. did try to. I did try to get one over on you a little bit. Uh, David Rampy wins comp at Pomona. That's number one hundred. Uh, several other winners crowned at Pomona. We'll get to the World Championships. Coming up, we will get to the Summit Sportsman Champs a little bit later in the show. But Big Jed, why don't you go over the uh, NHRA Sportsman category finalists from the World Finals? All right, Super Comp, Luke. That was uh, Chad Weber getting the win over Tony Helms. Super Gas. Full season for Mr. Weber too. He just finished winning the Division Seven Division Championship. And then followed that up with a win at the last national event of the year. I want to say first national event victory, but actually I'll verify that while uh, while you tell us the rest of the winners, Big Jed. Yeah, nice season there for Chad. Uh, super gas was Roger Cato getting a win over Greg Ventura. Super stock was Steve Wan over Gary Emmons. And stock was Jeff Taylor. Again, red hot year for Jeff. Getting a win over our buddy Ryan Mangus. So Mangus getting him a runner-up to end this season. But Jeff Taylor staying hot, wrapping up the season in style there in stock at Pomona. Yeah, my assumption was correct. Chad Weber's first national event victory in his first national event final to cap off, again, a phenomenal season for the Division Seven runner. All right, so that is everybody there. Coming into the weekend, if you listen to last week's episode... There was only one sportsman category, well, I guess technically two sportsman categories that the world in which the world championship had not been decided coming into Pomona. We talked about the situation in Competition Eliminator where Frank Aragona couldn't officially be crowned the champ until Clint Neff didn't go down the racetrack at Pomona and he wasn't entered when we recorded last week's podcast. So we assumed it was a safe bet that uh, Aragona would win the championship. He did. The other one that was undecided, Super Comp. And this got good, Big Jed. In fact, the last two months of the Super Comp season, pretty incredible. Coming into Pomona, Steve Williams held the lead uh, on the strength of a semifinal finish the week prior at the Las Vegas Divisional. That was his last divisional to claim. That was his last event to claim of the season. Clutch performance, semifinal performance, vaulted him to the lead. He had a slight lead over Don Nichols. He had a little bit more comfortable lead over Mark Graham. Those were the only two coming into the event that had an opportunity to surpass Steve Williams and steal the championship. Don Nichols had to advance to round four to surpass Mr. Williams. He lost a, uh, a close race in round number two to end his championship hopes. Mark Graham coming in 
needed to make the final round at Pomona, and he needed some help. Don Nichols had to lose before round four. When Don Nichols went out, the door was open for Mark Graham, and he came oh so close, Big Jed, to capitalizing on it. Mark Graham advanced to the fifth round. I believe there were six cars remaining, and he was on the side of the ladder racing for a bye run into the final. If he makes the final, he wins the world championship. If he loses at six, not only does he not win, um, he finishes like fourth. So it was co- literally all or nothing in terms of prize money. If you finish second in the world, you get five grand. It's a decent little consolation prize. If you finish third, you get nothing. You get your silver card for next year, which anybody in the top 10 gets. Mm. So it was absolutely one round for all the marbles. And to add some drama to it, the round was originally scheduled. They ran, I believe it was third and fourth round Saturday morning. The round round five was scheduled to go out before the pros Saturday and got a little bit behind schedule, got pushed back, then ultimately got pushed to Sunday as if Mark Graham didn't have enough on his mind for the one round. He gets to sit on that for 28 hours. Uh, his matchup with Tony Helms with the, again, semifinal by run hanging in the balance and by extension, the world championship hanging in the balance. Mark Graham didn't see the win light there. Tony Helms gets the win light, ends Graham's championship hopes, and secures the title for Steve Williams. A full season, 20, what, what is it, 26, 28 national events, 50 plus, yeah, close to 50 divisional events throughout the season. He came down to one single round. And Mark mm-hmm. Graham had a pretty good run. I think he's 12 on the tree, dropped to uh, 92. Looks like it was a little bit slower than either, either driver thought. I think Tony Helms was solid, like 19-20 total, something like that, 6 and 91. Tough way to end the year for Mark Graham. What's your take on that, Big Jed? When, you, when I tell that story, do you, feel, do you feel bad for Mark Graham? No, I wouldn't say I feel bad for him. I, obviously, with Nichols' loss in round two, uh, Graham controlled his own destiny. He didn't have to sit and think about what anyone else was doing but himself and you know had he had he went out and some guy made a hero run to beat him i might would have felt sorry for him because you just you, you're out of control there but when you control your own destiny and you get the opportunity to turn the wind light on to secure your championship and it doesn't happen no i don't i don't feel sorry i'm not trying to be mean or anything but i'm not I'm not. Uh, I don't feel sorry for Graham in that case. I, I think that's all you could ask for as a racer. So he got every opportunity that he needed and wanted, and it just didn't work out. So no, I don't. Fair enough. Um, it, it's. I, I. I largely agree with you, Jed. It's a tough way to go out. Certainly, knowing that one round away because how that goes and i can actually speak to this from experience but you can just imagine you come into this event and you realize you have to be there because you technically have a chance to win the world championship but you know coming in i don't want to say it's the longest of long shots but you're not supposed to win the championship right steve williams is supposed to get in the way or don nichols may win fourth or fifth round and make it to where you can't win the championship even if you win the race and if everything falls perfectly, you got to make it to the final round. Out of 70 cars, you got to be one of the last two, right? Not, a, not an easy task, particularly when you know how much is on the line. And then Williams goes out first round, and Graham sees the win line. 
And then Nichols goes out second round, and Graham sees the win line. Now you realize, okay, like there, this is within the realm of possibility, right? The, the things have things have fallen into place where this could happen. And then with every round win after that, that potential reality gets a little bit closer and a little bit closer. And then all of a sudden, you're there and you're one single round away. And the rug gets kind of pulled out from under your feet. And that, that sucks, right? That's got to be difficult to go through. But I guess to answer my own question, do you feel sorry for Mark Graham? I don't. And I, wonder, uh, and I, and I would urge none of you to. And, and for Mark, not to feel sorry for himself. Uh, it's funny that this all kind of corresponds. I was out in the shop Sunday um, preparing our cars for the Great American Bracket Race and the uh, Allstate Race that has now been canceled um, due to weather. But I was trying to get ready. And I was listening to a podcast like I typically do to pass the time. And um, you guys have heard me, I think, mention this podcast before. It's called Finding Mastery with uh, Michael Gervais, a sports psychologist. Really, really fascinating discussion. And if you've never listened to it, I would urge you to. You know, I mean, don't stop listening to the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast to go check it out. But after you get done listening to the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast, <laughs> Finding Mastery, but one of his recent episodes with, was with uh, guest uh, Brene Brown. She's a, a renowned author uh, and speaker. And she said this so flippantly that I actually had to rewind the podcast. But it sums up what I couldn't articulate a year ago, Jed, after kind of making that late, last, late season run at the Super Cup World Championship and then falling short ultimately. And to me, it's the perfect most poignant quote to apply to Mark Graham's situation. And what she said on this podcast, and I know this was a long way to lead up to this, was uh, something to the effect of, I do not jump, I do not leap in search of the perfect landing. I leap for the feeling of being in the air. Because where Mark Graham ended up, round five, on a Sunday at Pomona, Staging with an opportunity to win the world championship, like that is the razor's edge. I mean, that is the coolest platform you could be on in our sport. And I don't know about Mark or anyone else listening, but moments like that are the reason that I drive a race car, to have that opportunity, to feel that rush and that anticipation and that adrenaline in that moment. And the outcome, sure, you want to win. But having that opportunity and going through that emotion, that's what it's all about. Like, consequences be damned, the moment is what appeals to me. And for that reason, I don't feel a bit sorry for Mark Graham. Just like I wouldn't feel that much any different had he won the round. Like, it is just awesome to be in that moment in time and soak it all in. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jed. I talked a little bit about this Super Cup Championship chase, and there was drama in a lot of categories. Like when Justin Lamb knocked off Brad Zaskowski head-to-head, third round at the Vegas Division Race. That was awesome. Uh, Aaron Kennard got within one win light and realistically one thousandth of a second of surpassing Devin Eisenhower for the Super Gas Championship when he went red at that same division race in Vegas. But the only class that came right down to the end at Pomona and to literally almost the last round of the season was in Supercomp. And I think that that was fitting as we look back at that title chase, because there was a time 
not long ago, Chad, where I said, my man, Chris Gerritsen, might hold on and win this thing, right? You did. And he went into his last two points meets in the lead with a chance to improve. Austin Williams had led the national standings, this reigning champion, Austin Williams, for months, it felt like, in the summer, uh, right up until, I think it was mid-September, when Chris Gerritsen was runner-up in Reading and took the lead. And he held it for about a month. After that, all bets were off. Usually, late in the season, there is one driver that makes some incredible run and, and, you know, makes the final round or wins the last race that they can earn points at. And it catapults them to the lead and ultimately the championship. This season in Supercomp, that happened every week. Okay, Garretson was leading going into his last points meet. And Mike Robolato won that race, had to win that race to pass him. Epic performance, clutch performance, Robolato takes the lead. That lasted less than a day. The very next day, that race finished on a Saturday. The very next day, Don Nichols makes it to the quarterfinals at Gateway. Division race there surpasses Ravalado. Now he's in the lead and looked to be in the driver's seat because he still had, I think, three races at the time that he could earn points at. The very next week after that, Coy Collier wins his last divisional event at Noble to tie Nichols atop the standings. The very next week after that, Steve Williams drives all the way to the semifinals at Las Vegas to take the lead and ultimately secure the championship. But it wasn't quite that easy, was it? And then Williams had to sit out, <laughs> wait, and watch Mark Graham take his shot at Pomona. So literally, what would we have? Five, six different leaders or six different racers with a share of the lead in the last five weeks of the point season? That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun to listen to your breakdown each and every podcast as this thing was taking shape or not taking shape, if you will. But it was a heck of a performance by a lot of different drivers. Steve Williams coming out on top. It was, uh, it was to say the least, very exciting for a guy that really don't pay attention to the points and and understand opportunities that each driver has to improve uh, you know i don't i don't watch after that stuff very close or get into it but just listen to your breakdown every week kept it exciting luke so it was a it was a lot of fun to to watch and listen to it play out as it pertains to what we really care about big jet mm. the sportsman drag racing podcast nhra pick'em contest steve williams went undrafted in our Pick'em contest. No, n- none of the three of us had Steve Williams on our team, uh, and obviously he ends up as the world champion. But with the exception of that, we—and I use the term "we" loosely, as we being three of us, you, me, and Kevin—we did pretty good. We we had drafted all of the other five NHRA world champions. That's not bad, right? Not as a group, no. It was not bad. <laughs> Unfortunately. We, the original Sportsman Drag Racing podcast members, did not fare so well. No, I mean, you know, we we picked one each. Yeah, out of the five, we only represented 40% of the championships, you and I. Combined, right, yeah. Yes. Unfortunately, the other 60% went to one guy, and K-Mac just totally blitzed us. (laughs) He had uh, obviously had Ronnie Proctor. And top sportsman. That was a redraft. Again, we discussed should that come at less points than an original pick, but 
Uh, I guess at this point, it really doesn't matter. So so it's he, a mute he, subject. He yeah. out this on original picks as well. He also had the Super Gas Champion, which was an original pick by him. That was Devin Eisenhower. He had the original pick, which we laughed at because he wasn't chasing the world. And he still picked him, and Justin Lamb ends up with the Superstock World Championship for Team K-Mac. Luke, you had Brian McClanahan on the redraft. That was a very exciting championship chase in its own right. A lot of fun to watch, and uh, you got your champion there in the stock category. And I had Paul Nero as an original pick way back when in top dragster. So Paul put one on the board for me. McClanahan put one on the board for you. Proctor, Eisenhower, and Lamb all put three on the board for K-Mac. And he just, he rolled us, man. I mean, just tore us up. Yeah, yeah. For those of you keeping score at home, that's Kevin McKenna, three. You and I combine two. (laughs) Yeah, we didn't even beat him together. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, we didn't. So that means that we have... uh, a price to pay, Big Jed, and we are um, a little bit nervous about being in the dark on that. We had originally put this to our listeners, and ultimately, you've got to vote. I'm sure that Kevin is listening, but I think the way that we're going to do this is, uh, we, and, we, and admittedly, we probably should have established these parameters um, prior to the end of the season, but I think we're going to let Kevin choose uh, what we uh, what we owe him here. So that's a little bit dangerous, but we are ex- uh, we are uh, open to suggestions. We're going to do our best to have Kevin on next week to uh, discuss this, to bask in his glory just a little bit, and to tell us uh, what is the price that we are going to have to pay for our lack of competence in picking NHRA World Champions. We should have known better than to go against the man, the myth, the legend, the tricky tipster himself, Kevin McKenna. <laughs> We will pay our price. Big Jed, we will get to a little bit more later. We've still got footbreak race at Emerald Coast to cover. We've still got the NHRA Summit Series World Championships to cover, as well as a racing answers segment. A little bit more. But first, let's hear from our friends at BTE. You do to Kevin Brandon, light a smack across the land. Then you do to L-Ride and you come out like the world champ. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available. Subscribe. And you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. Jed and I are once again proud to partner with Bill Taylor Enterprises. That's BTE here within the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Neither of us, Jed or I, are strangers to BTE products, services, or customer service. I've personally been using BTE transmissions and torque converters exclusively since 1998. That's 20 plus years. BTE has quite literally powered every race, every championship, every round that I've won in my entire adult life. My point, they build products that I depend on. BTE builds products that Jed depends on. 
BTE builds products that you can depend on, whether it's a complete top dragster or top sportsman power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any transmission component or bolt-on item. The folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing. Keep in mind, going on right now, the annual BTE Black Friday sale, they are taking orders immediately pre-order from now until november 21st and save 20 percent on bte's biggest sale on transmissions and torque converters of the year they will run orders on november the 23rd ship the following week but once again you can place your black friday 20 percent off order immediately as most of the country heads into the off season we all want to stay as sharp as possible now the best way to do that to get the most out of it is to practice on a real LED tree in your own race car using your own pedals and or your own buttons. Porta Tree makes doing all of that easy. Their new Eliminator Next Gen Practice Tree has more relevant features than any other tree on the market, and its touchscreen makes it easy to use. The Next Gen is compatible with both the Porta Tree National Event Tree and the Porta Tree Mini. And best of all, Portatree offers vehicle connections that allow you to easily plug into these devices into your own race car so you can use your own button and even your own delay box. For more information, call Portatree, 1-800-541-7613. Use discount code DRAG10 for 10% off of your order. All right, Luke, so we talked about in the intro that uh, we would discuss the NHRA World Finals ET winners, as we uh, talked about last week. All of the division bracket finals champions went out to Pomona to battle it out for the ET World Championship, and those winners have now been decided, and let's talk about those for just a moment. Uh, get in anywhere you want to fit in anyway when you, when you know a little something about what happened but uh in super pro category as you said last week you know we had all these world beaters that we were picking to win and actually the runner-up jeremy hancock was one of the guys that that we know very well that we thought could definitely win but you said one of the others the other two drivers was probably going to win for that reason and that exactly is what happened pat osmondson got the win over jeremy hancock in the super pro category yeah, this is as close as I got in our bold prediction, sure to go wrong from last week. This is, That was the closest I got to predicting a winner. My um, joke of saying that there's uh, a bunch of household names in the Super Pro category, but the winner will probably be either the guy from Division 6, that's Pat Osmondson, or the guy from Division 1, I, I believe it was Shane Beck, um, just because... I wasn't familiar, as familiar with either one of those guys. Pat Osmondson proved me right. That, again, was the only bold prediction, sure to go wrong, that I sort of hit. Um, Pat Osmondson with the win over Jeremy Hancock. Kudos to both of those guys. Awesome performance on the biggest stage. Uh, I do think it's worth noting that, I and, and I think both of them will tell you the exact same thing, uh, they both probably should have lost in round one. That is the nature of drag racing. Osmondson's story was interesting. Um, only I, I, I know exactly what happened after after looking at it and reading through um, some of the posts and explanations. But Pat Osmondson was paired up with um, 
Jaron Miller uh, in round one. And that was dialed like 880 something. Looked like he was running on the throttle stop a la Super Comp setup, like 880 at 170. And apparently, and Jaron was dialed 760 something. Apparently, Pat Osmondson got the dial in swapped in his delay box, which also then swapped, uh, put the opposing dial in on his dial board. So um, not only was he a second plus over the dial in, he was a second plus late on the tree. He was mm. leaving first. Or supposed to be leaving first, and in his delay box to leave second. So obviously, very much there for the taking. Jaron went red, five thousandths red. Meanwhile, oh. the same round, um, Jeremy Hancock advanced. Jeremy had the fastest car in the category, around seven O's. Uh, Jeremy advanced with like a negative thirty something red light. I don't know if the, the front tires popped out of the beams or what. Got away with that when Mikey Sturgill turned it a heartbreaking one thou red in round one so two guys that got a uh, uh a second chance so to speak uh and made the most of it pat osmondson the division six representative taken home the summit world championship in the super pro category over jeremy hancock from division two and over in the pro category uh, nelson balat jr took his beautiful 63 old cutlass and got the win over Dustin Loins, uh, Nelson out of Division One. Uh, Loins had a tough break, Luke. It goes perfect on the tree, then just goes down to the stripe and takes a lot. Uh, excuse me, takes a lot. Oh, and, uh, a little play on words there. Yeah, yeah. You like what I did there? I did. So Dustin got there, sixty-one. Needed to take forty-seven or less. The announcer in me called that one, but. Uh, tough break there. He left perfect. And just, you know, one of those things, we've all done it. Just got to the strap a little too much. And unfortunately for him, that put Nelson Balot in the winner's circle as the pro ET world champion out of Division One. So congratulations to Nelson there. Yeah, huge, uh, huge accomplishment for both uh, and specifically for Loins in, in the runner-up effort. But I can only imagine that that is a round he will relive a time or two uh, between now and the next time that he stages a car in Division Three. Kudos to both those guys. And again, shout out to um, Nelson Balot Jr. Uh, Mark brought it to our attention. The little uh, 63 Olds Cutlass, definitely a show favorite. Yeah, no doubt. We love cool cars, and that was definitely a cool car. Um, in the sportsman category. Oh, this my, was this was your bold prediction, sure to go wrong. You called this one. My pick come through, my boy Brian Hendrickson. I uh, did see some photos of him out in Pomona. He had uh, some world foot brake challenge uh, run decals on his window. So thank you, uh, B. Hendrickson, there for supporting the world foot brake challenge. And um, he was rolling it deep, which... I would assume is somewhat of a challenge at that event. I know that's uh, that's not honored or guaranteed and probably a little bit tricky, but I'm sure that if you discuss it with your opponent, then uh, they everybody plays nice and fair. And Brian used that to get the world championship in the sportsman category. Congratulations to him. Got the win over Brent Erickson. And um, I don't know what happened in that run, but uh, Brian... I, he posted a ticket, and I just can't remember it, but I believe he hit it very well and rolled him through somewhat nicely and did his job end-to-end and got the win. And in the bike category, another Big Jed win right there, as uh, I had no idea who any of these folks were, but I went Homer, 
as I always do. And I chose the Division Two representative, which was John Markham. And John got the win over Jeremy Hicks. So John Markham made me two for four there. Not too bad at all, I'd say. No, be bad 500. You'll be in the Hall of Fame, Big Jed. That's uh, it's impressive. A couple of bold predictions sure to go wrong that actually went right uh, for Big Jed. But again, full disclosure, uh, you could have put eight names in a hat, and that's the that's the position we were both in in the motorcycle category. So I'll give you credit for that, but only so much. Yeah. Uh, all right. That is all of our NHRA World Champions for 2018 from the sportsman categories to the Summit ET ranks. And that, Big Jed, will bring us into this week's, a little bit later in the show than normal, but this week's BTE Who's Hot Performer. He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. The BTE staff is selected directly from the racing community, from sales to manufacturing. Each member of their staff is a performance enthusiast. With multiple world championships and number one qualifiers, they offer expert professional technical advice for your racing operation. See our staff directory. Our commitment to your success is part of our own. Luke, we got us a hot foot swapper this week. This guy's on fire. Uh, He had an amazing performance this weekend at Emerald Coast, which we'll discuss. He performed extremely well uh, a couple of weeks prior at the BT Southern Footbrake Challenge. And Edmund Ellison is officially a footbreaker now. No more no-box stuff. He just likes to swap feet, and he is on fire. Edmund, really, really strong weekend and last couple of two or three outings. Yeah, I, I actually didn't even catch on to that big jet. Edmund is more known for turning loose a button on the bottom. I knew he was foot-breaking at the SFC in Holly Springs. This event uh, in, in Edinburgh Coast was foot-break only as well? It was. It was actually the name of it was foot-break to freedom. So, oh, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, it makes sense that he would have to foot-break there. And um, he got the $10,000 win on Friday night. Uh, had a tough opponent in the final which was himself. He took nice. both entries all the way to the final. It was Edmund Ellison winner and Edmund Ellison runner-up driving the green-towing, beautiful Chevy 2 of Josh Green and Anne-Marie Green. And Edmund, again, as I talked about, uh, just won a 10 grander on Saturday at the BT Southern Footbrake Challenge in Holly Springs a couple of weeks ago, then comes out here, gets the win over himself in the final and I had to run him three times on Friday. Uh, he was 001. He was 015 when he missed it and was 010 and, uh, in those three runs in order. And just got by one of them, but I couldn't get by the other two. And he was just cracking me and everybody else on his way to a huge day at the track. That was a really nice win for Edmund. Yeah, and just caps off uh, an incredible season for the Ohio-based youngster uh, between Edmund and his younger brother, Caleb. Um, If we lived in a bottom bulb world in which uh, Kevin Pollard didn't exist and the season that he's had didn't exist, um, the two probably most impressive season-long performances on the bottom – the Ellison brothers, um, another great year from those two. I believe Edmonds 22, Caleb's 19. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be talking about them for years to come. Yeah, I don't know if you heard, but uh, this is the year of the of the young gun. 
in bracket racing. So it's a young man's game. That's what yes, I always it say. <laughs> it's a young man's game. These guys are combined; they're less aged than me. Uh, I've been racing nearly as many years as they've been alive combined, and that kind of talent doesn't come along very often, especially living in the same house. Those two young men are extremely talented, and they continue to show it week in and week out. And Edmund, you know, very capable of foot braking, but as you said, uh, more known for no box racing, still is able to adapt very quickly and get it done. Very, very impressive performance by him over the last two or three events. Uh, so congratulations to Edmund Ellison for being our BTE Who's Hot this week. Luke, that was not the only uh, winners at Foot Break to Freedom there at Emerald Coast. Rob Reynolds, my buddy Rob, put on this event. $10,000 guaranteed each day. And uh, they were scheduled to do two races on Saturday and one on Sunday. Saturday evening got a little cool in Pensacola, Florida. So they had to uh, uh, halt, bring a halt to the event after, or that uh, day's race, after the second race after the third round. Finished it on Sunday morning, where uh, Hot Rod Fincham made the final round and come up one win light short to Chris Cox, another guy known for being a no-box racer. Chris from down that area, it usually lets go of a button, doesn't foot brake very often at all, but figured it out rather nicely and got his name on the big check over Hot Rod Fincham. Uh, that was uh, a lot of fun to, to see Hot Rod go rounds and continue to watch those videos play out. But Chris put an end to that in the final round of race number two on Sunday morning. Then Sunday was race number three, and that was where Thomas Holly, my old buddy Thomas out of South Alabama, took his wheel standing Camaro and got the win over Kentucky's Tony Brock, who made the trip down. So. A really good event. Those guys uh, made some good decisions, did uh, did a great job for us foot breakers, and I uh, had a lot of fun out there swapping feet. I had to roll the Nova deep, dialed a 592, 593 most of the, the weekend. Um, that is not something you see very often, but these old eyes just don't hit it like they used to. So I was rolling her in there and having a good time. I actually felt somewhat competitive. Had a had a blast. Looking forward to getting back out to another big foot break race soon. Good stuff. All right, I think that transitions us into the hashtag racing answers segment of the show that we teased a little bit earlier. Mark, I don't even remember. It's been months since we did a racing answers segment. Do we have a drop in line for racing answers? Ask and you shall receive. That's right. It's Hashtag racing answers. He doesn't think so. All right, well, if there is, we'll probably just insert it right there. If not, eh, we'll go ahead and roll through it. Racing answers, hashtag racing answers. And guys, keep in mind, we haven't done this in a while, but if you've got a racing-related question, uh, whether it's strategic, car setup, starting line, finish line, whatever the case may be, um, share it with us. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, hashtag Racing Answers. We'll do our best to answer it on the show. The Racing Answers segment is brought to you this week and always by thisisbracketracing.com. And I'd like to personally invite each of you listeners to check out the new 
This is BracketRacing.com. I am so incredibly proud of our new site. It houses a ton of information. It's user-friendly, and it's just a great representation of what we do at This is Bracket Racing. I won't just encourage you guys to check out ThisIsBracketRacing.com today. I'll incentivize it. Go to thisisbracketracing.com, click the Start Here button. It's right in the middle of the homepage. Um, you can't miss it. When you do, you'll be granted free access to one thisisbracketracing.com training of your choice. You have more than 250 training resources to choose from in our online directory. This will provide you with a, uh, hopefully, some snippet of insight that will help you become a better racer, and b, a little glimpse behind the scenes at what we offer in our exclusive membership community. This is Bracket Racing Elite. Again, check it out today. That's thisisbracketracing.com. Big Jed, what is our uh, hashtag racing answers topic for this week? Well, this week's racing answers question comes to us from John Davis. And John asks, I'm thinking about adding a nitrous kit to my bracket car as an off-season upgrade. Good idea. Luke, what say you? I'll let you have the floor first, Big Jet. Is, uh, are, are, we, are we rolling barefoot in Big Red, or are we jug-equipped in Big Red? Well, we are. Uh, I like that, by the way. I, I guess we're barefoot. Um, often, often think about putting a nitrous kit on. Um, it's not one of those things that... I would plumb it and feed it in my car, so it, it was not one of these things that I could decide on Tuesday evening to do and grab a nitrous kit and put on. So it's really kept me from doing it because it has to be done right and perfect. So um, I think it's definitely a good idea to have. Uh, I think it just gives you another tool in the in the box for different types of strategies. I talked about just a little bit ago, Chris Cox winning uh, the the Saturday one of the Saturday 10 granders at Footbreak to Freedom saw Chris use a move with a look like a heavy dose of the spray uh, against a seasoned racer and tricked him a little and got a win light that he probably would not have gotten otherwise so um, I think that happens all over the country Luke each and every Saturday or each and every weekend so I definitely think it's a good idea to have that tool in the bag when and if you need it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm going to approach this from a couple of different perspectives, uh, but I will share this much. Just recently, um, it actually hasn't even been released yet, but I did a an interview with Troy Williams Jr. for This Is Bracket Racing Elite, and we got onto this subject, and he basically said something to the effect of, if you are bracket racing and you don't have a nitrous equipped vehicle you are leaving something on the table um and i largely agree with that although i'm much like you big jed um i don't have nitrous on on our current dragsters mainly because i built them to run in nhra super comp where nitrous is not allowed and was super weight conscious um and i think that there's a precision in today's eighth mile bracket racing where maybe um nitrous doesn't have the same effect that it used to because we just get so precise and so low on the dial in that I think in general um, finish line driving isn't emphasized as much as it was uh, maybe even five or ten years ago specifically in the eighth mile categories but I will say from a strategic and game planning standpoint and I've said this before I think here on the podcast there is nothing 
uh, scarier, maybe nothing more difficult than approaching a round where you don't necessarily know what you can run and then drawing a savvy opponent that is is in a nitrous-equipped car because that savvy opponent could go any direction. They can go backwards. They can go forwards. They can just hold it on the floor. Regardless of the situation, if you don't know exactly what you can go, you are guessing, and that's never a good place to be. So even if you don't necessarily use the nitrous, if you don't use it very often, simply having it on, having it armed, and uh, showcasing that, maybe a little bit of purge, um, I think it forces opponents to race you in a different way and race you with more respect. And I think it that can tend to induce mistakes. And the knock on nitrous in general, Jed, is that it's hard on stuff. And obviously it is a little bit harder on stuff than running the naturally aspirated setup. But what we're doing with it in a bracket application, and while I just told you guys that I don't have nitrous on my current dragster, I've run nitrous on bracket cars for years, dragsters, door cars, you name it. Um, and the way that we utilize it, uh, which is for a very brief period of time, typically, very close to the finish line, um, like that, the, the effect on motor life and longevity is usually not monumental. I mean, it would be one thing if you're 700 on the tree and spray it as soon as you go by the tree and don't let go of it until you get to the finish line. <laughs> yeah, that, that might tear some stuff up. But what we're typically doing is just a little bump close to the finish line. It's really not that big a deal. It is certainly uh, an advantage and, and just kind of adds some more clubs to the bag. So yeah, um, specifically to John, I do. I, I think it is a good idea. So what you're saying is you're not going to catch my drop and you're not going to catch my spray when I when I do either of those very late. Uh, again, a uh, really good question there from John Davis. Thank you, John, for submitting that. And uh, Luke, good input there from you as always. So that wraps up our racing answer segment. Guys, keep those questions coming. Um, you know, I know we don't always get to it. Uh, there's uh, probably coming uh, becoming more time here in the next uh, few episodes we might be able to get to that here or there so keep those coming send them to us there on the sportsman drag racing podcast facebook page or um, send them right to mark and we'll see if we can get them on uh luke great job there let's wrap that up and we'll come back with what's on tap honey where are we racing next week it's time to discuss next week's major events news updates releases and announcements it's what's on tap all right, not a whole lot of racing left on the schedule, uh, Luke, but we do have a few events happening and some good stuff. Uh, the uh, um, winter warm-up race at Immokalee is happening this weekend. Uh, already seeing a little bit of chatter about that. So everybody that's heading down to Florida going to get their weekend full of racing at Immokalee. And then I think a lot of those same racers and then some will travel over to Palm Beach International for the Moroso three-day championship, which is happening Monday to Wednesday, and that's 15K a day on the eighth mile, a little different there for uh, the, the Palm Beach International race. So I think a lot of those people will enjoy both events and some sun down in Florida. And if you like door slammer action, and why wouldn't you? The folks at Loose Rocker are putting on the American Door Slammer Nationals, uh, brought to you by McCarty Auto Parts. They're at Piedmont Dragway, 10, 20, and 10 format, uh, new for this year, 
because of the great participation they've had the last couple of years. Michael uh, Beard and Anthony Walton have upped the purse for the American Door Slammer Nationals there at Piedmont. Great weekend of Door Slammer action and big, big purses, so that's going to be really good for them. Uh, there were some IHRA announcements, too, that uh, we want to make sure we cover. Those guys, um, IHRA signed a multi-year contract with Summit Racing to continue the Summit Super Series and the Summit Team Finals programs. Uh, that was very good news. I think that's been a very successful program, one that a lot of sportsmen bracket racers have looked forward to. And they've also added a street-slash-sportsman class to the Super Series World Champion and uh, World Championship race at the Memphis. Those guys will race for five grand there at Memphis International at the World Finals, and uh, hopefully it helps some tracks level or helps some tracks with their entry-level program, uh, or at least you know we hope that we we definitely think there's a place for the sportsman class in the big events like that and now they're going to be able to have a sportsman world champion which is a really cool thing and comes along with a really good purse luke so that's good news from ihra and summit yeah the the levels within our sport something that michael beard laid out uh, articulated really well in a column years and years ago um uh, along the lines of the um graduation process so to speak the the varying levels of competition like in theory the junior dragster driver uh transfers into the that is it the team championships team championship series where they get to drive a streetcar with their parent and that racer then uh levels up so to speak to the sportsman category who then eventually goes to the no box class and then potentially on into super pro those um Oh, what is the that's the term that I'm looking for? It wasn't levels. It was the um, beard termed it really well. But the the whole idea that there are uh, training grounds along the way and and to the next level, to the next level, to the next level um, has sort of always been the natural progression in our sport that we've lost track of. I think or. or, or set aside more so in the last decade or two than in the past. And I think that if, and I've said for a long time that if we are going to continue to grow our sport going forward, that that grassroots, that farm system, I think that was actually the term that Michael used. Um, I think that that's going to be the root of that growth going forward. So kudos to IHRA for um, seeing that and trying to reincorporate that vision uh, at the world championship level. Yeah, definitely a good idea, and uh, hopefully it increases participation and gives some uh, new faces an opportunity to compete for world championships and big prizes. So looking forward to seeing how that plays out. And that wraps us up. This episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, which is number 103, by the way, has come to a close. I want to say thanks to our great sponsors, uh, the fine folks at BTE. This is Bracket Racing Elite and Portatree. Glad to have those folks on board, and we appreciate those fine companies helping bring the show to you each and every week. Luke, it's shout-out time. Looks like a pretty nice list here. I got to shout out one last time because I don't know when the next time that we'll talk about Chris Garrettson will be, but my man. Chris Garrettson and is in all of his 125 mile an hour super comp glory. Um, great season, my man. Shout out to Chris, top 10 finisher. I believe he went to Pomona for the banquet, said, Hey, this might be a once in a lifetime opportunity. That's cool. Um, awesome on him. Was rooting for him all the way. My guy, uh, Chris Garrettson. Shout out to Hot Rod, Rodney Fincham. 
we missed another golden opportunity, Big Jed. We talked about Fincham on the show. We didn't have him on. What are we doing in life? Yeah, failure. Big failure. We got to work on that. Shout out to being barefoot. Shout out to catching a drop, because that's a thing. Shout out to what did you try to go there? Where did you try to go? Catching a spray? Yeah, you don't catch my spray either. Okay. I'm not sure that that's a thing, but uh, I, I will shout out the spray by. The spray by. I think just because it sounds better than the spray around. I don't know how I feel about the spray around. Um, I do want to shout out John Markham. That was your bold prediction, sure to go wrong in the motorcycle dog. category. That's, that's my dog. That's, that's your dog. Okay. Yeah, that's, we're tight. that's your dog. Right. Um, and in fact, I, I think I wanted to shout out the entire sportsman motorcycle field from Pomona because we didn't know any of them. Bless their hearts. Um, like we just <laughs> keep up with the motorcycle contingent. So shout out to all those guys. Um, shout out to Pat Osmondson. Uh, that was your Super Pro World Champion for uh, making me look really silly. Uh, I said, you know, one of those two would probably win. The two that we weren't talking about, Pat Osmondson, did just that. Shout out to Kevin McKenna for crushing us. I think I even shouted him out last week. It's it's yeah. worth a double shout out. Uh, owned us, dominated us, had more world champions by himself than Jed and I did combine. And a quick shout out, um, A, to the listeners who brought these to our attention, and B, to the people that we were talking about. I had a couple of goofs last, last episode. I'm bring them up now. Probably should have brought them up earlier. I want to shout out Paul Nero. Um, said last week that uh, he failed to qualify at the Las Vegas national event. Uh, I'm sorry, the, at the uh, divisional event, the season-ending divisional event in Las Vegas. He did fail to qualify, but he was not in his own car, not his typical car. He's driving a borrowed car at Las Vegas. Had he been in his car, likely would have made the show. So it's off just a little bit there um, last week's episodes. Apologies to Paul. And uh, shout out to shout out to Craig Morgan. <laughs> Craig Morgan, Big Jed. Craig Morgan uh, is the country star that sings It's What I Love About Sundays, which we determined last week should be Kenny Underwood's favorite song. I mistakenly said that it was Daryl Worley. I was wrong. Uh, I'm not as up on the Nashville scene as I should be. So shout out to Craig Morgan. Shout out to Daryl Worley. I will try to be better next week. You had me fool, bud. I promise. I thought you were right the whole time. Shout out to 11.07 p.m. on the East Coast, which is when this bad boy is wrapping up. Producer Mark is already asleep. Uh, Producer Mark, wake up. Hit the stop button shortly after I get through this. Be be sure, guys, tell us what you think. Message us right there on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page, or you can at either Luke or myself on the Twitter Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I, and I am at JP11X. Thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to talking to you about some sportsman drag racing next week. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning it. Foot like in it, anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jerry Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. 
led by knowledgeable professionals. Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors, and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100-plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.